Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church. It's probably helpful for you to understand the context from which, where I began thinking about what to share this morning. Um, with the boys, the age they are, sometimes Bible stories are bedtime routine. And I've been taken back into stories of Samson and David and Goliath and, and all these wonderful things, which stories I haven't read for, for quite a little while. Harvest, as I said, I've been to 51. Um, they're always amazing because uh, God's love is extraordinary and God's nature is bountiful. But having done it 51 times, I'm thinking, yeah, I can talk about God's... You know, is there anything different? I've sung We Play the Fields and Scatter many times, as many of you will have too. But also the third thought in my mind has been a, a song that's been playing on my Spotify daily mix, which is River in the Rock. It's a song that's made me think back, runs in parallel with the stories of the Old Testament. Um, so I want to read, I want us to look particularly in Psalm 105. There'll be no PowerPoint today, no things going backwards and forwards. And, and so just everything's going to just be you looking at me and hearing my voice. Hope you can hear me clearly and just looking at passages. passages. But before I get into Psalm 105, I wanted to look, just remind us of Psalm 24. So perhaps what I've been feeling has been part of what I've been saying all along is that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Everything around us began with God. Everything around us continues with God. Everything around us will continue because of God. So nothing, nothing around us is ours. Everything we have, we're borrowing. It, all can, it can come and go easily. However, while we manage our affairs, some things can happen. Um, austerity wiped out, was of negative equity, all those things happened in various financial crises, and those of us that don't have as much as others suffer the most. Um, harvest time is when we remember God's goodness to us and his all-sufficiency. Because God was there in the beginning and will be there at the end and maintains everything on the way, everything actually is his. So Psalm 105 was the passage I went to, one thing I've learned when being with Karis is that Karis starts reading articles from the end and then goes back to the beginning to find out what it was about at the start. Psalm 105, I'm going to start at the back because that seems sensible and go back to the beginning afterwards. So I want to go to start into Psalm 105, verse 37. Because actually Psalm 105 is the psalmist telling a story about the history of Israel. Hindsight, as everyone says, is always a wonderful thing. It's always lovely to see things from behind. You miss things when you're in the middle of it, you don't notice. It's when you look back that you can see what's been going on. And you can see that actually it's God's provision that's kept you where you were, and that's why you didn't go under in the first place. A lot of the time the Israelites are ranting and moaning at God, and I think that's Sometimes we give them grief for that and say, you shouldn't be complaining. But perhaps it's gracious to say, they're just saying, it's a bit tough, which is how we may all feel sometimes. Psalm 105, verse 37 starts with, he brought out Israel laden with silver and gold. I've made the font bigger, but I can't even see it still. He brought out Israel laden with silver and gold, and from among their tribes, no one faltered. Egypt was glad when they left. 
because dread of Israel had fallen on them. He spread out a cloud as a covering and a fire to give them light at night. They asked, and he brought them quail. He fed them well with the bread of heaven. He opened the rock and water gushed out. It flowed like a river in the desert. For he remembered his holy promise given to his servant Abraham. He brought out his people with rejoicing, his chosen ones with shouts of joy. He gave them the lands of the nations, and they fell heir to what others had toiled for, that they may keep his precepts and observe his laws. Praise the Lord. Eight verses that summarize 41 years of trial and struggle for the Israelite people and jumps over loads of pieces of information. But through that, you can see that there was nothing for the people to worry about because God is love. So back to these Bible stories that the children would, I read to the kids, um, is Exodus 16. This post-Exodus, they're on their way to the promised land and suddenly it's, it's a bit tough. They're in a desert and it's hard work. And the people are saying, actually, God, we're hungry now. Egypt was horrible. We were slaves, but we had plenty of food. We're now on our journey to the promised land, but, but we're a bit hungry. And the way the Old Testament is written, it makes it sound they're grumbling and moaning and complaining. People that are hungry and can't see where the food's going to come from are likely to be grumbling and complaining and not able to think about things on a higher level. They're going to be a little bit basic. What am I going to have for my tea? I'm really hungry. So sometimes we criticize the Israelites for saying, where's my being for what, moaning at God and not trusting in God, but where's my tea is a paramount condition. And Jan will know that people that are hungry that come to the food bank and will say, I don't really want to chat about the sort of world affairs and how I am. I'm really quite hungry or I'm really worried about how I'm going to feed my kids tonight. Um, here's my voucher. Can I have my bag of food, please? Which is an understandable human emotion. Exodus 16, verses 4 to 5, talk about this. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. A snippet from the story of manna, when God says, I will bring down food for you every day. Each day, the instructions read, read around it, Exodus 16, go out and harvest as much as you need. For those who didn't get very much, it was sufficient. For those who got too much, they couldn't eat it all, and it went off and had maggots in it. God is a God of sufficient, just enough for today. You don't need any more for tomorrow. Today's today. Today's today. Just enough. That's all you need. Let's not get greedy here. Just enough. Just enough. Consistency. Every day. Each day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Sabbath. Jewish Saturday. Off. Sunday. Start again. Just enough. Each day. This is why daily bread, as a scripture union reading, is called daily bread. Eat your bread daily. A little bit each day. Just enough just a little bit. Continuous. 
Because in verse 35, it continues, the Israelites ate manna for 40 years. 40 years times 365 is a very large number. I lost count when I got towards the end. There's many, many, many days of ever-ending days of God saying, here you are, manna, each day. Until they came to the land that was settled, they ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. And then the manna stopped. Because God said, go into the promised land and start farming. Become the people that you need to be. For the season, for the chapter, for the episode of their life where they were where they were, God met every single need. Just enough, continuously, sufficiently, but just enough. Roll over a chapter, I don't know how long it was. The people were thirsty for water, and they grumbled again against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? I'm getting a little bit fed up with them, to be honest. They're about to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. That's the song that I've been singing about. She sings about heart of stone becoming a river of of love, of water. And it's touched me as I've listened to the song. But I, I went back to the story again. Moses was, the people were grumbling, Moses was fed up of being grumbled at. As a leader, that's no fun whatsoever. People are very, can be quite good at grumbling, and leaders always cop the grumbling. It's, it's your fault, why doesn't this work? Why did that not work? It's irritating. Um, but that's part of human nature. God reminded Moses of the power of his staff. The staff had done lots of things before. He'd used it for the, um, all the trials in Egypt. He'd used it to turn the water to blood. He'd used it to... So the staff was a symbol of how much God's power can be used, how miraculous God can be when we let him use us. And God can bring water out of solid rock. So when we look around us and see things that are solid rock, all it needs is us with a willingness to throw a staff or hit it with a staff in God's name, under God's instruction, with God present, doing all the things with us, water will come out if we need it to happen. Manna falls in the desert every day for 40 years, minus Sabbaths. Water comes out when people need it because God cares and God loves And the psalmist in Psalm 105 can look back and say, God was faithful. And the psalmist could see God's hand at work and give praise where praise was due, which takes us back to Psalm 105, verse 1. So the beginning of the psalm makes sense to me now in the end of the psalm because we can look back and see what God has done. Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name, 
Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles, and the judgments he has pronounced. I've looked back in the sense at the harvest that the Jewish people had through their journey from Egypt to Canaan. And I've helped us try and remember the wonders that God has done and the miracles that he has carried out for them. As you know, as you've heard, both Karis and I work for charities, both Karis and I work for organizations that try and bring some justice into this world. I help Rianne think about the fair, unfair game with the Starburst Suites. Clearly, social justice is something that's key to the who I am. So I want to move on a little bit now in this sermon to, to the last phrase of verse 5 of Psalm 105. And the judgment. Remember the judgments he has pronounced. Because we also have the beauty of hindsight, we can read the Psalm 105 and go, okay, so God will look after us. We're okay. Whatever, wherever we are in the desert, whatever's going on around us, God will make sure we're okay. It might not feel very okay. It might not feel as okay as somebody else's life is okay, but it's going to be okay. Okay? Okay, good. So we can trust God as our provider. Therefore, he's asking us to live our lives differently. He asks us for a little bit more, please. These are my judgments. Don't be the same as everyone else. I think I shared that stuff with you before. Do no longer conform to the cultures of your, but be transformed in the renewing of your mind, Romans 12, 3. I preached on that last time. So we're called to be different. Four verses from Proverbs. Proverbs, I'll, I'll share them with you afterwards if you want them. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. That was Psalm 31, verse 8. It's Proverbs 14. He who oppresses the poor taunts his maker, but he who is gracious to the needy honors him. It's Proverbs 29, 7. The righteous is concerned for the rights of the poor. The wicked does not understand such concern. Proverbs 28, 27. He who gives to the poor will never want, but he who shuts his eyes will have many curses. It's not just Solomon in Proverbs, it's also Isaiah, Isaiah 1.17. Learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. All these verses, all this theme through the whole Bible of justice, of care, in the Old Testament comes through very strongly. In reading the stories to the boys at night, there's a sentence, here's a children's Bible book, it cuts it all down to very, very powerful, simple sentences. It says, and the leaders angered God. Almost every chapter, you go from Deborah to Ruth and Naomi to Samson. Every time there's a sentence, the leaders angered God. But everyone was getting it wrong because they were stopping to remember God's powerful call for justice and remembering how lucky they were and how blessed they were and how grateful they were that they could have all these things. And isn't it nice to have um, whatever? They'd lost sight of God's heart for the poor. And that's always been a challenge to me, which then brings me into the New Testament 
brings me to Luke 4, verses 16 to 21. Jesus went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then Jesus rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the congregation was fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus came to say, I am who Isaiah was was prophesying who was going to come. I am the person who will come to set the oppressed free. He will come to give sight to the blind. He will come to give freedom to the prisoners. In my work in Sendakao, when I travel to Africa, I see people who are imprisoned by their culture, not by being in a physical prison. To me, the the words in, in this are very figurative, are very descriptive. They are not literal. Jesus didn't just come to release prisoners who are stuck in prison because they have a jail sentence. He didn't come to just people who are blind because they are physically unable to see. He didn't just come to release the oppressed because they are physically oppressed. There are many ways that people are oppressed who are blind or imprisoned. Women in Africa are imprisoned by the male-dominated culture that they live in. I've talked about this before, so I'm just repeating what I've said. I won't go on again, don't worry. But it's happening here as well. Gender-based violence is a common thing still in every culture. Why? Because men are angry. Men blame their women for something that isn't their fault. And the women cop it because that's the way that we only person who we can vent our anger at is the person we love the most. Isn't it horrible? But that's our society. That's every society everywhere. And Jesus said, that's enough now. I've come to change all of that. My final reading is from 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm a bit of a whistle-stop tour through the Bible, perhaps. I hope you're keeping up. Throughout history, Jesus' spirit, God, the spirit has been with us all this time. 2 Timothy 1, verses 6 and 7 says this, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. For many of us in churches who have been to 51 harvests, We've done this before. And I wanted to celebrate that we can do this every year and be grateful and be thankful. History has shown that we're always here. Only 1% of the UK working population actually work in agriculture anymore. So only a tiny number of people actually ever get close to food. Most of us just get close to the shop in which it is sold, which is why the trolley song is so helpful because it reminds us that we do have plenty, we do have excess. When I first came home from working in Thailand for two years, I, was, I couldn't walk into Sainsbury's because I just couldn't quite process how many different packets of chip, chocolate chip cookies there actually are on the shop. Do we need to have so many different versions of the same thing? It's so 
beguiling, confusing, and, and somehow a sign of our excess. God will never let us down. We will always have enough. And enough is all that we need. There is enough food that the world produces every year to feed everybody and enough. We could actually feed 10 billion people with all the food that we grow every year across the world. Yet funnily enough, that's, that's God's bounty. That's God's goodness to all of us. There's always enough for everybody, always. But somehow we've managed to slightly mess it up by getting our sort of imbalances of power and justice and control in, in the wrong way. So we've got all the starbursts like Beatrice had. And some people were Olivia who's lost her starburst because someone came and took him away. And Naomi's got a couple, but not really enough. That's the world that we all live in. So we do need to share our sweets, everyone. We are Beatrice. However, we may think David Beckham's got more than I've got or the, you know, whatever. There are always people with more than we have. Yet we are in this room, we are always Beatrice because there's always an Olivia with less. Near us, close to us, around us somehow. Every decision we take can help that. Talk to Mary, talk to Hugh. There's lots of ways you can do that. But the biggest thing, the most important thing, is that 2 Timothy 1 verse and that Luke 4 verse. Everything that Jesus embodied in the way that he walked, freedom for the oppressed, releasing the prisoners, we as children of God, we as people that, with whom the Holy Spirit is in us, have the power, the strength, and the love to make a difference. And that's how he wants us to be. The kingdom of God is here, and we are the people that will help that kingdom of God come to life even more than it is already. We are the ones who've been asked to do all these things. It's, and I, I know how hard life is. I know how many things demand our time all the time. Just getting my family to church on time, just getting myself to church on time, just getting home afterwards, just getting to bed at the end of the day. All those things take enough. I know. I'm. It's not... It's easy to stand here and say, I hope we can do more in the power of the Spirit to change our world. I know life is hard enough, but that's what we're asked to do. We're asked to operate in God's way in a slightly different paradigm than anybody else. Do not conform any longer, but be different. And my prayer for you all this morning is that we will be a little bit different tomorrow than we were yesterday. That this harvest will help us go, I can think about someone else a bit more. Who grew this coffee? Where did this meat come from? Who's going to benefit from my buying of this? Who needs a conversation? Who should I go and meet and greet? Who do I want to give 10 minutes to to just go and have a chat at the food bank cafe? What else can I do? How can I be different? Time is limited. But God made man a land on the people of Israel for 40 years. Every single day. And his graciousness and his love continues now for us all and he asks us to help spread it out a little bit just share the love and share our sweets harvest is when we remember god is good so let's sing together again the wonderful classic farming english hymn about plowing and scattering um 
the kids will come up. And after the kids, when the kids come up, then those of you that you want to give offerings can bring it up to the front as well. I missed that piece of information. Sorry about that. But let's just close. Let's just pause and think about it. Perhaps I'll just pray while we finish. Father, I've said lots of words. I've told lots of stories. And I've shared things. Please, in your Holy Spirit, just touch each one of us in our hearts now. May each one of us reflect on the things that we've heard. And think about how we can be more Christ-like. Live more in the Spirit of God as we go through our daily lives. Bless each one of us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.